like it was. Yeah. That really took me out of it. But anyway, yeah. we're not here to talk about it. No. No. Uh, we're actually here to talk about Barbarian. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome to Pod of the Dead. Uh, I am your host, Nicholas, and with me, as always, are the two beautiful ladies, Stephanie and Natasha. Hi! Uh, on today's episode, we are talking about the 2022 film Barbarian, um, with its history. It uh, came out last year and was kind of uh, a, I don't want to say a sleeper hit, but it surprised a lot of people when it came out um it's a the first time this director had directed a horror movie he had only directed one other film prior to this and i think it was about 10 years prior uh but uh before we get into all of our history and stuff with it let's let me fill you in on what this film is barbarian is a 2022 american horror thriller uh, written and directed by Zach Kreger in his solo screen writing and directorial debut. It is produced by Aaron Mitchin, Ray Lee, Raphael Margalis. The film stars Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, and Justin Long. The plot sees a woman find out that the rental home she reserved has been accidentally double booked by a man not knowing of a dark secret within the dwelling. So, what are your girls' history with this film prior to viewing it for the podcast? I saw it one time on your recommendation. So this would have been my second time watching it. Okay. Yeah, and the, we watched it, like, right shortly after it came out, I think, at home. And I wasn't sure what to expect, like... The trailer of that movie does not give anything away, really. And I was kind of surprised by that. And I didn't know much about the movie. So uh, this was, I'm pretty sure this was my second watch through. Yeah, I've, uh, this would, I think, be my third viewing of it. I watched it with Steph. And then I believe I watched it once uh, with Noelle while she was watching it with some friends in the living room one time. Um, but my history with the writer and director go way back on this film and I uh, actually didn't know that he was the one that made this. Uh, Zach Kreger is one of the founders, writers, and creators of the television show The Whitest Kids You Know that used to air on IFC back in the uh, like late aughts. And uh, <clears throat> he uh, basically wrote and directed a film with uh, Trevor Moore, who passed away a few years ago, uh, who was another person from The Whitest Kids You Know, and they made a movie called Miss March that got like horrible reviews. It's like a sex comedy <laughs> film, but I think it's actually super funny, but I find <laughs> I find uh, The Whitest Kids You Know a hilarious, like absurd kind of show, and the, the movie kind of follows in its steps. Um, and this movie is like it's it's got the absurdity to it and everything but like it's not like on its on its cover a comedy film no is the guy is the guy from i think you should leave also in the whitest kids you know no I, it's not the same no i believe okay. he was from saturday night live 
Gotcha. Yeah. Same type of humor. Yeah. Is the widest kid you know the one clip that you made me watch? Yeah, this week? I showed I showed all of you uh, the <laughs> yeah. Abraham Lincoln assassination video. If uh, you haven't seen this, yeah. just type in widest kids you know Abraham Lincoln on YouTube and watch the unedited version of it, and it is hilarious in my book it's not it's not <laughs> it was not funny he's like you're gonna love this you're gonna watch this. i did not this great. Say, and i was I did like, not say you're gonna love this. this i said okay i said here's your director you gotta watch this yeah i was like Here, uh, yeah. here's your director oh and he was like this is funny and i was like okay so i went in and i watched it and we were like driving in the car and i'm like <laughs> looking at this youtube video and i'm like the I did not laugh one time and he's over here snickering in the driver's seat, just <laughs> listening to it. And I'm like, this is, this is not funny to me. So, and then that was just I was like, well, who is, who's our director? Like which one? He was one that played Abraham Lincoln, but yeah. Oh man. Yeah. What, what'd you say you did motherfucker? What'd you say string bean? <laughs> and I think knowing that that's the same guy really gave me some insight into some parts of barbarian that I the didn't end necessarily of, the end like. The end of it, yeah. the monster in general. Yeah. <laughs> the, the end of it's the worst part of the whole movie, in my opinion. I so. agree. Okay. It really goes off the rails. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll throw up the spoiler warning right now so we can start giving uh, giving the gush a little bit about this movie. Start kind of ruining it. If you haven't seen it, we're going to go through it. Um, we're also going to... This is... Go ahead. Go ahead, honey. No, go ahead. Uh, it's also we're also going to give uh, the like some some internet reviews on it and stuff. But before before that, uh, we do have a, a little little thing to figure out here, and it is what do you girls think the budget of this film was? How much money do you think that they made this film for? Oh, four million. Uh, how about you, Steph? Oh. Well, considering it has Bill Skarsgård in it and Justin Long, and they're probably not cheap to have on your show, I will... Ooh, 10 mil? Uh, four to $4.5 million is what it's estimated to be. Did you look that up, Tasha? I did not. <laughs> okay. I'm just... <laughs> I'm starting to get like a rhythm as okay. the movies we watch. Okay, that makes sense. And it, and it was independently financed. Uh, Krager like got... Uh, backing for this film like overseas and everything and this won't give anything away about the film so i can give this away before we go through spoilers uh the day right before the shoot happened uh the financier died and they lost all Ooh. of their funding uh it was fun oh. it was funded at three million and then uh i don't have the name but there was a producer that pulled some strings and stuff and got uh I believe it was Fox. Well, it's not Fox now. 20th Century to end up going like, oh yeah, well, it, it's basically getting ready to shoot tomorrow, so all the work's done, and gave them like a four to four point five million dollar budget on the film, and they like this movie should have died. Like realistically, he, uh, Craiger has talked about like there. This is not a. Uh, a way to make a movie like there's no reason that this movie should have been made don't look at how i made this movie and go oh look if that got made i can make this because he's like this will never happen again <laughs> um but so for 4.5 million dollars how much money do you think it made a lot probably i would say 25 this i did see so i'm not going to answer it made uh, $45.4 million. 
Wow. Oh, wait, never mind. That's not the number I saw. Wow. <laughs> At the box office, it made $45.4 million. So it basically Damn. 10 times its budget. Good. And uh, Kreger has, has said that he is writing a new horror film. Uh, they've they've asked him about making a sequel and stuff, and he doesn't really want to make a sequel to this story because it kind of does its own thing. But yeah. he has thought about uh, using the template of the the structure of this movie because it doesn't really follow its standard three act structure for a film uh, to make another like mystery horror movie in the future. So he's he's entertaining the fact of making another barbarian film but it would have nothing to do with this one but yeah he does have okay. another film that he has written that he said is weirder and crazier no, than this film uh he also had like it, his dream movie to have like that he's written to have made is he's hoping to do well enough to he's got i guess a batman script that he wants to get made okay <laughs> all right why not Sure. He said uh, he doesn't see him give him the keys to that car anytime soon. No. I mean, there's so many iterations of that freaking Batman story. And, you know, he, you never know. He might, he yeah. might pull it off one yeah. day. Yeah, it could work. So, all right. Spoiler warning. If you're going to listen past here, uh, you've been warned. Don't don't get mad that, oh, I wanted to watch this or whatever. Um, yeah, you you have to watch this movie. Like, if you're going to listen to this, I know a lot of the uh, of our podcasts you could probably listen to and still go watch the movie and then still be surprised. This is not one of those episodes. Like, this is one of those episodes. It ruin is going to ruin every single thing for you because this movie has so much suspense. You cannot know about anything ahead of time. Too much has probably already been said. Yeah, the less Correct. the <laughs> less you know about this movie going into it, the better. Um, yes, you can get away with watching the original trailer and it won't ruin anything because Correct. that's all that's all that we had seen prior to watching it. But beyond that, don't read anything. Do not listen to what we're about to say, because I have nine pages of notes uh, literally walking scene by scene in this movie and you will have it ruined. Uh, that being said, though, if if you still uh, want to stay part because this is a movie club, um, Fast forward to the end of the episode, like the last like five minutes or so, um, and you can find out what we're going to be watching next week. So, yep. All right. Without further ado, we will be going into Barbarian. Review. And our reviews. Yep. So, <laughs> who has the, let's see here, who has the one out of 10? They're both long. I do. They're both long. Okay, okay. So, let's do this. All right. Yeah. One out of ten. All right. One out of ten. By ten minutes into the film, we are supposed to believe that a woman who is applying for a white-collar job in a prestigious downtown corporate office is going to book a room at a house in a in a house in what is worse than any ghetto I've ever seen. Parentheses. Every other house on the street is literally destroyed and uninhabitable. It looks like the Dresden bombings and a crack epidemic happened <laughs> to the neighborhood at the same time. End parenthesis. They clearly have not oh. been to Detroit in some areas because, like, this is Detroit. Cleveland is like this too. We got an Airbnb that was kind of like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. not as bad, but yeah. I mean, our Airbnb and the restaurant below it was amazing, but the rest of the area was like really fucking sketchy and we had no idea. You go Gentrification. Two, yeah, yep. you go two roads over at this place and it's beautiful again. It's just absolutely crazy. But yeah. the, the person with this review, did they not pay attention to anything that was explained because it explains why she has to stay here and why all these things that had to play out because that they did a very good job in this movie explaining why things happen the way that they happen i feel like they're sitting there already reviewing yeah. it as yeah. it's 10 minutes into the movie correct all right i continue <laughs> it would never happen wrong it's absurd <laughs> i don't oh, agree wait. <laughs> Then we're supposed to believe another guy chose to stay there, too. There would never in a million years be a remodeled... I like this part because we just talked about it. There would never in a million years be a remodeled, modernized Airbnb on a street like this. Which, I mean, that's kind of what Airbnbs that's are. That's the business exactly. model. It's gentrification, yep. the, the company. Yep. Yeah. It would be illegal in so many levels, and no one with a working brain would ever... Want to stay there, let alone be a viable business for 20 years. Let alone it being a viable business for 20 years. I don't get that reference. No. There was no viable business for 20 years there. Like, they didn't oh. have Airbnbs back then either. Gotcha. That's weird. So, why is Hollywood continuous, continually making movies for people who forget how to think? This is not asking us to suspend our disbelief, quote. This is asking us to... Oh. I don't want to. I'm not saying it. They say the R word, and I'm not saying it. Yeah. You With can so just many say positive R. reviews, I am very, very concerned for the millennial generation and for those to come. This person has. Tell <laughs> oh yeah, I'm not done, but I continue to watch because I was bored and had nothing better to do. And here is what <laughs> I got. Okay. Okay. Wait. It, now it's bullet pointed. One. Oh shit. <laughs> a quote horror movie. That was not at all scary and way more laughable in a bad way. Two, a ridiculous, defying the laws of logic and physics, i.e. a girl falls well over 50 feet off a giant fuel water tank and she gets up and walks away from it. Caps. LMAO. Three, mm -hmm. a shift out of left field into another time and place and characters. Four, a, a, sh a shift back. Five, another so shit. We're, so, so we're we're just giving this movie shit because it has a flashback to give to okay. give context. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. And we needed that give context. A, a gigantic part of the movie. Yeah. It tells you what happened. Yeah. But, okay. Shift to another timeline and another new character. <laughs> like, stop. Who cares anymore? Make one cohesive movie. It was wow. co it was cohesive. Not three slapped together. <laughs> so this so this person is saying, like, stop treating us like idiots, but the fact that this movie is trying to do something new and original is idiotic. But even having flashbacks it. isn't idiotic. It's been in literature and movies forever. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's for context. And we exactly. had just talked about if and when we watched our last movie, the reanimator had they had left certain things in and we had understood it then we would have gotten better context and they did that in this movie where they could have not put that in there and then we would have had to just infer that this is what was going on it'd be absolutely ridiculous really interesting thing about that is when Craiger wrote the script for this film a producer backed it before that scene was even in there so the film did not have frank the character in it at all 
so there was no bedroom downstairs or any or well there was a bedroom but there was no frank's bedroom mm -hmm. yeah. in it and stuff so the producer said hey this this script is really good i'll back it but under one stipulation that you add an extra layer to cool. it so he wrote that whole background thing to it sent it to that producer and the producer ghosted him <laughs> <laughs> Really? He's like, okay, yeah. you want something? This is what I've got to give. <laughs> yeah. So he wrote it, sends it to the guy. The guy never spoke to him again. He's like, I've never heard from him. I don't know what he's doing. Oh, wow. Whatever. He's like, he's like, you know, but, but like, I love that scene. It's, it works so well. And if it weren't for him, like that would have never happened. Yeah. I can't believe that that movie was made without Frank in mind at all. That's, that's really surprising. It was supposed to just be very vague. Which this movie, I don't, I would not have liked it the way that I do, if if it was all just left to the imagination. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, I'm not done. Oh shit! Hold on. <laughs> and finally, okay. Six. The quote monster is hilariously funny, not scary at all. Has a ridiculous backstory. Has ridiculous behavior. Also defies gravity, physics, and logic in a way that it can and can't do, etc., etc., etc. Hollywood gave the masses another prize for the ultra-stupid, and sadly, many people gobbled it up because it's probably the best they're going to get. Oh, boy. And now, I would like to review this review. <laughs> Solely because it's so judgy. They spelled their wrong. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you done got got. Yeah. They use the possessive, not the contract. So uh. <laughs> they need an apostrophe R-E. Thank you very much. The end. <laughs> and in summation, you dumb bitch. Like, I'm not even a gigantic fan. I'm not a huge proponent of this movie, but that was really harsh. <laughs> Like I don't agree with a lot of it. I don't either. And I don't I don't love this movie. I don't hate this movie. I I think it's a good movie, but yeah, that a lot of that stuff, especially about like the monster, that is a, a lot of it actually kind of makes sense except for the ending. That's about the only part. I my favorite thing about the monster is that it that it isn't scary, that it's more of a sympathetic character. Yeah. It's it's more of a Frankenstein yes. kind of thing where you feel bad for the monster. Yeah, when I got yeah, the end of this movie, like I almost cried at the end of this movie this time. I was so sympathetic to this. Well, I've Aww. been crying a lot lately, so uh, emotional lady here. But uh, it was just one of those moments, and I was like, Th "This is horrible." <laughs> yeah, even even to the pa even to the part where like calling uh, the character Mama a monster feels bad. Yes. So yeah. All right. So that was our one out of ten, and. And uh, the review of the root review is uh, see me after class. Yeah. It seems. yeah. <laughs> With the red pen. Right. Yeah. Okay. 10 out of 10. <laughs> Probably one of the most original horror movies to come out in years, if not decades. I really hold on. <laughs> hold on. That lady said it was not original. Yeah. Well, it is. <laughs> But that person, or man. well, that lady or man was also talking shit about millennials. So let's just move on. Yeah, we mm. should do dueling, dueling yeah. reviews. Yeah, yeah. Review versus review. Yeah. 
<laughs> one paragraph each at a time. <laughs> Some of our uh, one-star reviews have been banging, and they've been really good, but that one was just not good. Yeah, this one was. This one didn't stand up. No, no. no. Uh, okay, I really enjoyed it from the beginning till the credits rolled. Quite honestly, I might do the rare thing and drop another $11 to see it again. The story is simple. Double-booked Airbnb brings together an unusual couple or maybe not so unusual. Some weird stuff happens at night in the shady part of Detroit where the house is. The neighborhood is run down except for the well-manicured home the Airbnb sits on. This adds to the eeriness. The house holds some seriously disturbing secrets. Right down to the dirty mattress with an old-school camcorder setup. The room, for some reason, is set apart from the rest of the house. Seriously disturbing secrets I did not see coming. I honestly could not guess what direction this horror movie was going, but goes there and goes there full throttle, which I agree with. That's pretty true. Just in time for the spooky season, this movie is one scary thrill ride actually kind of stayed with me for a bit afterwards. Bill Skarsgård, the clown from It, is unrecognizable and Georgina Campbell reminds me of a young Rosario Dawson. You'll have a good time finding out the secrets in this one. No spoilers because quite honestly, the big reveals in this one are some of the most original I've seen in years. And that is it. I like that Bill Skarsgård is unrecognizable in this movie as himself. I, I don't know. <laughs> I saw his face and knew that he was a multi-dimensional monster from another film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh boy, he's such a good actor. I just yeah, I, his their whole family is just full of just amazing, incredible actors. Like they grew up in a family. I have been following their family for a really long time. Their dad's in everything. Like Bill's dad is uh, was in like the um, uh, Thor original Thor movie, and I'm uh, probably all the other ones. And then he's been in all the Avengers movies. And then his brother was oh. in True Blood and a bunch of other stuff. And then uh, his oh, brother wow. Gustav was in the Viking show as as Floki. And like he, this family has just got some insane acting skills. Dang, yeah. Yeah, Alexander Skarsgård is oh. uh, one of my man crush Mondays. Yeah. That dude is just like beauty personified as a man yeah they're they're just oh my gosh especially alexander that was and he's a hell of a good actor yeah that was my first like kind of step into them and then i did my research and i realized wow his their dad stellan or stefan or whatever his name is he Stella. is it he's been in every freaking thing under the sun so yeah yeah he's the the big bad guy in the new dune oh yeah the, yeah huh. yeah he's done everything it's crazy yeah Oh, okay. Alexander right. Skarsgård looks like um, Macaulay Culkin. Oh. <laughs> no, he does not. I just googled him. That's what I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, He's been in a lot of stuff. He was in The Northman, which is an A twenty four film, and he did a really good job in that. And he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he he was just in uh, Infinity Pool with Mia Goth, which is Cronenberg uh, uh, Junior. I can't remember his first name. Right, Brandon Cronenberg's new movie mm. and stuff. Looking, looking forward to watching that. I own it, just haven't got around okay. to it. Anyway, so we're going to start real opening the credits and stuff, and we are uh, we are welcomed with a thunderstorm, rain. Uh, we get a wide shot of the front of the aforementioned Airbnb. Um, something I found interesting. A little uh, Easter egg right off the bat. 
Airbnb. You cannot spell the word barbarian without those letters. The entire title, and this was not on purpose. These are things that Craiger has been sent from people. There's a few. There's a few Easter eggs right here in the beginning that I'm going to tell you that uh, are happy accidents or coincidences. So, uh, Jeep pulls up and she checks the code for the lock for the Airbnb. Looks kind of down the street. It's super dark. Like you can't see the next house really. There's just some street lights off in the distance. Which is why that review was saying that it's in, like, the trashiest part of Mm -hmm. town makes no sense. Because she did not know that going in. Yeah, you You don't have no idea. So she types 8831 into the uh, code and it won't work. Uh, She's getting a phone call from Marcus and says, go away. Like, she doesn't want to deal with him. This is uh, later, I believe, mentioned to be her ex-boyfriend. Uh, she types 8331 in, the lockbox opens, and there's no key inside of it. So she then begins to call the owner of of the Airbnb and says that she is at 476 Barbary Street. So, Barbary Street, Barbary, Barbarian, 476, the year that the Barbarians sacked Rome... That was an accident. No. Oh, crazy. (laughs) He's like, I wish, I wish I was that much of a genius. (laughs) But, but nope, that just kind of happened. Okay. Okay. So as she's calling this, uh, still no answer goes to voicemail. She goes out to the car uh, and a light is turned on at the house. So she goes up to the door, starts ringing the doorbell and uh, we... We get introduced to our second character, and he's like, hey there, Georgie, but, uh, which is kind of funny because her name's Georgina. Uh, but Pennywise, I mean, Bill Skarsgård opens the door. And uh, at this time, they kind of go back and forth and find out that they have double booked the same place, which is 100% possible it- with how these things are sent out across multiple websites and everything. They get a, They do a good job here explaining why it got double booked and how it's possible instead of just making you believe it. Like, they are very specific in that. So, uh, he says, uh, come inside and we can call these idiots. So, this is part number one of the fact that Krager... Uh, read a book. Let me find it real quick. He he read a book by Gavin De Becker named "The Gift of Fear," and this book is what uh, influenced him to write this uh, movie. So, uh, "The Gift of Fear" is uh, which encourages women to trust their intuition when confronted by obviously dangerous men. He used it as a writing exercise and began crafting a 30-minute short that consisted entirely of a conversation in which a woman a woman continues to ignore a mounting series of red flags. He liked it well enough that he knew he had the makings of a longer film and began conceptualizing a broader story for the characters. Okay. So that so uh Bill's character of Keith is literally just a red flag yes. machine. Whether it's his intentions or not, everything that he does is a red flag. And one of the things is when they use like when people like well when men 
in these situations, use we instead of you can come in and stuff like that. We, it's trying to coerce somebody into like, we're together. We're here. Like, it's trying to like feign this like bonding experience. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So that was something that he pulled from that book. Well, it worked um, perfectly because I had alarm bells going off mm-hmm. every scene that he's in at the yes. beginning. Yeah. yeah. And it I, was beautiful. I, 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 I wrote, I wrote, not wrote, I listened to a lot of interviews with Kreger uh, for the build up to this episode. And uh, I tried to write down as many of them as show up in this scene and st- stuff. So um, let's see here. Uh, so she comes in and instantly is just like, you know, like, here's my confirmation number and everything. It's like, yeah, it looks fine. Comes in. And he's like, can you, or she's like, can you show me your confirmation? And he's like, yeah, I just got to get my phone. Um, and he gives it to her and it's like, are you just, do you just need to make sure that I'm not some sort of weirdo? And, uh, she's like, yeah, all, all seems flat. Like it all seems fair and good and stuff. So she gives him the phone back, asks, uh, she needs to use the restroom, goes in, sees some overnight supplies. So it's like, okay, this guy isn't like the owner of the place. It looks kind of on the up and up, Mm -hmm. uh, then uh, she comes out and tells him that uh, I'll just find somewhere else. And that's where he's like, you know, like, no, don't do that and everything. So red flag, mm-hmm. like not wanting her to leave, trying to keep her there. Well, he says there's a medical convention in town and all the hotels are booked. So like he's giving her the explanation as to why this is true and she does call and try mm-hmm. to confirm that she can't get it anywhere so she's not just believing him which that's the nice part about this whole scene like the whole fo- first part of this movie is like she is kind of leery of him listening to her instincts and then she's then confirming or you know figuring out for herself so she's not believing everything she's hearing yep so she because she even says like i'll just go out in my car and make these calls and he's like i wouldn't stay out yeah. outside yeah. like I, I don't know if you got to see what it's like out there but it's a bad neighborhood yeah so but when you first start this movie for the first time you don't know if he's lying to her or not because we haven't seen it as the audience correct. but the second time around you're like man he's actually being nice so it's like it's yeah. definitely a different view um one cool thing about this is later on we will see this neighborhood in two different uh states you know of of upkept and disarray and stuff like that um this was all built for the movie. There are 18 structures, this neighborhood specifically, there's, I believe, 18 structures that were built in the disarray and then they were redone on the outside to look uh, like the 80s, I believe is what when it's supposed mm-hmm. to be, when we get to that. So at this point, we they kind of introduce themselves as Keith uh, and Tess. Uh, Keith tries to be super nice, but he's like nervously rambling, uh, which I can understand. I'm a rambler. And uh, when uh, the director, well, the writer, when Zach was talking about these two characters, he said that these are two parts of him. If he's in a situation where he's feeling uncomfortable, he's going to be rambling and stuff like that. But at the same time, he's very guarded and everything like if he thinks something's up he's like wait what's going on who's that what's this what no i just want to leave yeah so he he is both characters um and uh another thing about georgina's character that we are starting to learn is like with the whole 
uh, go away earlier when she got a phone call from Marcus and she keeps refer saying stuff like, no, nah, like I've just had a bad history of this, that, and the other. Uh, it's, this is Zach Krager writing his, his, uh, history and life into a character because Georgina comes from a manipulated backstory, uh, in the sense of, uh, she comes from people that have used her to their advantage and stuff like that. And Zach talks about she basically has all of these tropes that come from uh, a child that was raised with an alcoholic parent, which he was. Okay. Oh, so, so that's something I have in common. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so he is both of these characters. Okay. Is something I found kind of interesting. But, uh, so yeah, Keith's being super nice, and Tess can't get a room. There's that med convention and uh, medical convention in town, and Keith's just like, you know what? You can take the bedroom. I'll take the couch. You know, it's not a big deal. And she's like, no, I'll just sleep on the couch. And he again, being nice, but it seems creepy. A, like right across that line, he's like, uh, I could I could never allow a woman to sleep on the couch if I were sleeping in a bed, kind of thing. So it's well-meaning, but at the same time, it's in the situation, circumstances, mm -hmm. it's coming off weird. Doesn't yeah. he mention something about the bedroom having a lock? Yeah. Also, or was that just yeah, me? Yeah. Okay, I, I couldn't remember so. if I yep. put that together yep. or if he explicitly said it. Yeah. I think that's when I started yeah. to turn a little bit like, okay, maybe he's not. Because where my yeah, mind went was this was his house and this is what he does. Yep. He brings in unsuspecting mm -hmm. women, but I'm yep. sure that's kind of however it was written. That was the intention. The yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because when he uh, talks about this script, he gets to page 45 of writing the script and uh, not to get too far ahead or anything. He gets to page 45 in the script and goes, I've wasted everyone's time. Everybody knows that Keith is going to kill Georgina yeah. like that or Keith is going to kill Tess. Uh, and I don't want this to be a color by numbers book so that's why the but movie I like it up to page 45 <laughs> <laughs> 1 through 45 were great <laughs> <laughs> okay so this part is where Keith also is telling her like or she tells him hey I, I can't sleep in a bed with dirty sheets like I, I don't I'm not gonna do that so then they go and they wash the bedding together which I I was like Okay, so that's kind of creepy when you first see the movie, but you see it this time, and you're like, that's actually really kind. <laughs> like, mm. he, he was very considerate. It's very kind, and you get a life lesson on the perfect way to change the a bag cover. <laughs> yeah, that was yes. cute. Just shake into it. So yeah, when she goes when she goes into the bedroom and stuff, she finds Keith's wallet and takes a picture of his ID. Genius. I would do like, it too. Great. Yep. Yep. Uh, but he is who he says he is too, though, so that that confirms yep. it, yeah. or to some degree, I guess. Uh, prior to this, he offered, like, while he was rambling and stuff, he was like, "Hey, I'm gonna make some tea. Do you want some tea?" But like, just like a million miles per hour, like talking. She's like, "No, I don't. I'll just make it for you anyway." She doesn't drink it when she comes back out. Keith has got a bottle of wine out now and explains that he hasn't opened it and again is nervously ran rambling. I noticed you didn't drink the tea, so I didn't open the wine. So if you want some wine, you can see me open it. Blah blah blah. Like just keeps going because he understands yeah. that she's uncomfortable in this situation and he 
truthfully is trying to like everything's cool here but that's exactly what a bad guy would do yeah so but this reminded me of you because this is something that you would probably do and then you would like over explain stuff just like he did so that reminded me of it but at the same time when you first see the movie you're like holy shit this dude he's he's really trying to get it in there like he's trying too hard like trying <laughs> trying trying to uh you know appease her or whatever because yeah the tea thing was i wouldn't have drank that tea either as a woman like if i showed up i would not there's no way in hell so like you're trying too hard to get me to drink that tea exactly there's no way and then <laughs> and then the wine thing you know you're getting a little warmer to this character i guess yeah yeah he, he uh he definitely is just like is super super nice but in this situation it's it's not helpful at no all. Yeah, the second time around, though, like, it's just, he's so sweet. <laughs> yes, he is. And then they, uh, he tries to set them up to have that wine together. And she mm -hmm. she says no, which is like, I'm not doing this. And then um, she they start talking about what she's in town for. And she's going to try to get a job to help with the documentary. Yep. And uh, she has her interview the following day. So that's what she's in town for. And... Uh, you can go from here honey yeah so uh she's she's taking an interview to become a documentary uh director's assistant i believe is what it is and uh they start to get to know each other and stuff and he's asking her like well, so what films has she done and everything and it's this jazz movie and she drops the name i can't remember it off the top of my head it's like blue something and uh yeah. he's like oh yeah no i saw that again comes off like initially it comes off like you're just you know you're you're just saying yeah yeah no i i'm just like you or whatever because yeah. she's like nobody saw that and he actually starts explaining he's like oh the one with the kids that do this and all this stuff and she's like holy shit you did see this movie yep and uh he's like well you know like if you're in this area to make a documentary you should totally make a, a movie about me to which is like kind of like a bullshit like you know like hey you should make a movie about me and she's like why would i do that creepy. and uh he's like well because i'm one of the founders of the lion tamers which doesn't get any like i wish they'd give a little bit more about this but i, I, I believe it's an art collective yeah. or something i honestly don't know we didn't really learn a whole lot about it it's kind of name dropped and then she's like holy shit about it i wish we would have gotten just like an extra sentence or two yeah. just about it because it's yeah. made to yep. be kind of a big deal. She's like, why are you staying here? And he's talking about like, well, I'm here scouting out the location and stuff because she talks about like, don't you guys have an entire block like to yourselves and everything? And he's like, yeah, we're just looking for a new location. So it kind of makes me feel like it's this like commune art collective, um, maybe like political activist kind of thing. I don't know, but as far as I know, it it's not really given any any like more pizzazz to it. This says Keith is a member of the Lion Tamers group, which seeks out housing to make communities, and he is scouting within Brightmore for the next neighborhood he his group can invest in, develop, and live in. Oh, okay. So they themselves okay. are kind of gentrifiers. Yep. Okay. So not as cool, not as cool. I thought he was yeah. like some like artsy guy, and it's like same here. I thought he was like part of a jazz band. Or yeah, something, something like that. Like I was like, oh sweet, there's gonna be like murals all over these houses that like, and everything. No, no, it just we're gonna get a Whole Foods here. <laughs> yeah. 
So, it, so previously she said that she wasn't going to drink any wine. It cuts to them on the couch, and they're now opening up and talking, and she is drinking wine with him, and they're connecting. And it seems like the tension has been cut in a way. Yeah. This is when they're getting flirty with each other, and they're just kind of relaxing and and having a good old time talking about li- their lives. And he's just, like, really... A- like attentive to her and like really listening and giving his feedback. And I really liked that about this because again, you don't know if this is him being creepy and she's just falling for it now or not. Yeah. My guard was totally up on this one. Yeah. I was like something's about to happen. Yeah. Yep. yeah it's, it's a three season television show of Keith and Tess uh, and their wild adventures. And I would love to watch their relationship bloom. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Right. <laughs> Well, and they talk in this scene about uh, men, the men versus women dynamic, and I love that because so that kind of calls back to that book you said he read, because it was talking about like what had what would happen if she had been mm. the one to be there first and he showed up and, and and he's like you wouldn't let me in and she's like no like and I wouldn't right. either I would yep. be like fuck no dude go away not in a million years <laughs> I don't believe you no and he's like I wouldn't have been Tess and gone into that house. Yeah, I kind of agree with that well, too. And, Ke- yeah. and Keith even, he straight up says something that I say to Steph all the time. She'll be talking about like misogynistic men and all this stuff. And she'll be like, yeah, all men, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll go like, hey, I'm not all men. And Keith does that. Like he, she's like talking like, yeah, but you know, any man comes in, blah, blah. He's like, well, hold on. Like, I'm, I'm not any man. Like I wouldn't do that or anything. And I... There's so many times where, like, that kind of stuff happens, and I just, like, I'm looking in the mirror, like, hand on the mirror, just like, oh, my God, you're not the only person that acts like this. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then um, he asks her one time, like, do I look like a monster? And that kind of triggered. In two movies, you did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You were unrecognizable. As yourself. In this movie. (laughs) According to that review. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now that's oh, that's boy. stuff that I'm wondering. I wonder if that was. Yeah. Yeah, if, I wonder if that has anything to do hearkening back to him playing. It's got. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be like written like, hey, this will be kind of a funny line. Like, do I look yeah. like a monster? If you do, know, you know. What do I look like a fucking alien clown to you? It's like, oh god, that's a little on the nose, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> and th- this line, I didn't notice the other times that I watched it. Uh, it kind of ends this conversation, but. Uh, it really stuck out this time, which I feel is like a huge red herring for the rest of the movie. They're, Cause they're talking about this stuff and she's talking about like her history with men and everything. And uh, she says, why is it always girls who get their hearts ripped out in these things? Which I thought was written to be like, Hey, this is going to be foreshadowing like that. She's going to get her heart ripped out. This was, mm-hmm. this was almost a throwaway line to me initially. And then I saw it and I was like, I think that that line was written to make people think like she's going to get her heart ripped out, like in like a visceral way. Yeah. And it, and it, it doesn't like not, not like nope. I thought or not like I no. Nobody has watched this mil- film and known what was going on. Like they did not start this not movie and end it going like, yeah, I saw that coming. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. no way in hell. No. <laughs> and I'm like the queen usually of being like, yeah, this is going to happen next. Nope. This is next. Oh, nope. I'm going to see this. And there was a very few parts when I first saw the movie that I was like, this, they're probably going to have this, but realistically there wasn't a damn thing that I knew about this movie. This movie was very shocking in that way. So then we cut to the, 
duvet changing scene, which uh, we already talked about. I know, but gather around, just gather around, kids. He's going to explain to you how to do this. Um, Not just okay. explain. Show you. you. And yeah. I literally, the first time I saw this movie, thought this is when Keith was going to kill her or something. I thought he was going to like have the duvet and be like, like da, 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 and then just bag her ass up and just like fucking whatever. That actually would have worked. I like thought, that would have been a good scene. Yeah. I was like, oh, and I, I wonder if that's where he wrote and he's like, nah, we're just not going to do that. And we're not going to do it. Like, I wonder if he's like, duvet time. And then it's just like, nah, not yet. We're too early in the wow. script. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, at this time, you can tell that Tessa's body language has changed, and she is definitely like kind of like you're, you're seeing like she's kind of getting into Keith a little bit. Well, she's also drunk. Yeah. Yeah. We can't both drunk. Yep. Yeah. And they tell each other good night. Uh, Tess, w- Tess wakes up to the sound sa- to a sound in the house. So you just kind of hear like a ah kind of sound in in the middle of the night, which uh, is different to our last movie, Reanimator, where you just hear like a noise in the middle of the night so we've <laughs> got two crazy sounds in the middle of the night yeah um which tasha loved 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 reanimator i do remember that you don't have to say anything <laughs> tasha we don't have, let's we'll save that for another yeah time. yeah yeah, yeah. We, we already yeah we yeah already did that. so tess uh tess walks into the living room and sees keith is having what looks like night terrors uh and tess just kind of shakes his shoulder and he's like kind of uh, like it's escalating and she shakes his shoulder one more time saying his name and scares the ever living shit out of Keith and deservedly. So he's like, what are you doing? She's like, you were screaming. He's like, I'm screaming. Like, why, why are you coming up to me in the middle of the night? And she's like, my bedroom door was open. What? It's like, did you open my door? And he's like, no, no, I didn't open your door. Like, bitch, I'm asleep going through some traumatic things. Like, come on, get off of me. <laughs> Dealing with my own stuff. But if you watch the movie the first time, you kind of think that he is possibly like he's kind of a dick in the scene. It, it, it understandably so, yeah. but it also comes across as like maybe the veil is dropping. Like this is him and his real form, and not the you know really charismatic guy that we met or the bumbling charismatic guy we met earlier. Now he's like a tortured soul. Yeah. Which makes makes what happens later in the film even worse. Like he's such a good guy, mm-hmm. but like you could tell he's got like this fucked up past and stuff because when he's talking about sleeping on the couch, he's like, I've slept on way worse and stuff. And it's not just like it uh I slept on it gets dropped like twice. It's like this motherfucker is like slept on the floor of a Turkish prison or something. Like it doesn't come off in just like a really light way. Nope. <clears throat> but uh it's morning now. She goes back to bed, locks the door, and uh, wakes up in the morning, and the door is still locked and closed. She gets up, and Keith is gone and has left a nice note uh, t- mm-hmm. telling her to break a leg and, and whatnot. And this is the first time that she and us uh, see the neighborhood, and it is a super-duper shithole. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the reference to the Dresden bobbings uh, is is pretty good this place just looks like it's been burnt to the ground and stuff it is uh and if you've ever been to detroit and stuff it's been a little like a couple like a year or so since i've been up to detroit um if you go up around like the ball stadiums and stuff and you go maybe like a block or two in any other direction from those ball stadiums kind of looks like this uh those companies and it's like that in most cities. Yeah, because too. those companies yeah. find the cheapest property and that's where they build their things at. 
So it definitely has that, like, the fact that they built this to look like that, it's spot on. Like, because I thought that they just went up to Detroit and shot this in the neighborhood. Yeah. Well, like, even in our own town where we live, if you go off our main drag, like, you're running in, like, the main, the main street that runs through our town. A whole large area of it's just crap. <laughs> of houses not maybe not to this degree but you do see that and this is this is kind of kind of nasty yep so we then cut to tess is at a meeting and she's she's given the the googly eyes at the photo of keith's id uh like all oh, and all, all smiles i i like him it's kind of a weird <laughs> thing that they're like setting yeah. you up for in a little bit and then uh she's there for her interview and the uh interviewer is like oh so where are you staying at she's like oh she says she drops the uh the uh neighborhood but she basically tells her like barbary street or whatever and she's like oh uh yeah you should not be staying there uh it is yeah. like it's not safe over there <laughs> and uh she's like no it's fine you know and like she's even like Oh, that you know, I've got a roommate and all this stuff. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, and she's just okay. like, all right, be safe. Like, getting more of that uh, confirmation that so. it's fucked up out here. But it sounds like she gets the job, though. Yeah, because it's like, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, we cut back to uh, the shithole that is Barbary Street. And uh, Tess is looking down the road, and there's a guy running down, a homeless man, and he's screaming at her in uh, not the best way. He's going, hey, little girl, <laughs> come out of that house. Is there a good don't, way to don't go in there. Hey, little girl. Like, like, hey, works. Hey, little girl makes it seem so much more ominous. Yeah, and then he's, like, banging on the door when she gets inside and shuts him out, like, barely makes it in. That was a pretty tense moment. And then he's just banging on her door, and she calls the cops. Like, this is the part that makes me mad the most in this entire thing is that, you know, police officers are supposed to be there, and they're supposed to be supportive. But you know that, like, in these areas, in the com these kind of communities, this is why we have the issues we have in our country in a lot of ways, is that they just ain't showing up like they're supposed to. And it it really hits into that in this this scene where she calls and they're like sorry we have no available units yeah and you know and Krager said like he when writing this he wasn't writing it to be either way he's like if you put cops in a movie you're going it's in this day and age like people are going to read into it one way or another he's like this, i just wrote them to work for my script it's it's not pro or anti-cop it just this is what i needed it to be I didn't look at it as being pro or anti-cop either. I looked at it as this is what happens in these communities. Yeah. And this is the stereotype that they have to live with. And this is the, no matter how good of a, or a horrible person you are, they care less about you because of your status in life. Yeah. Well, it's so I don't, it's also the idea of, uh, like it's a dangerous area with a lot of dangerous stuff going on there. I don't want to go there and get hurt, but that's kind of your job in a way. That's your job. Yeah, exactly. In a way. Like, I mean, your job's not to get hurt, but your job is to go and protect and serve. So, correct. But, uh, so nobody, like, the 911's not sending anybody out. So she goes to the restroom and, uh, there's no toilet paper in the bathroom. So she goes searching through the house and, finds a stairway to the basement so 
Uh, she goes down and finds some toilet paper, and by the time she gets to the top of the stairs, the door swings shut, closes, she goes to open it, and it is locked. At this time, did anybody think that Keith locked her down there? Yeah. <laughs> no. I don't know. Like, I didn't, because he wasn't home yet, so we didn't confirm that. We don't know and that. We didn't know, yeah. yeah that's we didn't true. confirm that he ever left. He's, that's true. He's in the attic. I don't think I ever drew that conclusion, though. I just thought it was weird that, like, now she's stuck in the basement. But they do a good job showing, like, hey, she doesn't have her cell phone. She can't get out that way. Well, not that the cops were going to show up anyway. Just to be honest. But she couldn't call anybody. To call for help, to call anybody. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. She couldn't call the person she just had an interview with. So, yeah. because I didn't really. This is where the writing started to get a little weird for me. And I think this is probably close to page 45 would be my guess. Like, I just remember being like, why are you going to the basement? (laughs) Page page 45 (laughs) is the scene right before Justin Long shows up. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that, like, I love his. When we get there, I, I like Justin Long's. Part. I love his oh description God. of how page forty-five <laughs> comes out. So, um, <laughs> so she's locked down there, and yep, her phone's upstairs, and she also has the house key in her pocket. So she's looking out the base. Oh, yeah. She's looking out the basement window and everything, and she's like, "Shit, I'm kind of stuck down here." So she's like looking around and everything, and she finds this rope in a hole in the wall that's kind of behind a shelf and as she pulls it, it opens a secret door in the wall beside her. Yeah, this is (laughs) so fucked up. Let's take a vote. Who would walk down this hole in the wall? Uh, Anybody? Your your initial reaction right there of just like, nope, is her legitimate reaction. She like sees it open, looks down, it's just a pitch black corridor and she goes, Oh, that's right. Like, I love that. Like, she's a very smart character. Like, because it's like builds, like, all the music's like, she looks down at it. And you expect her to just be like, hello. But she's just like, nah, I'm not doing this. (laughs) It'd be great if the movie ended right there. (laughs) Tasha's favorite movie, 10 out of 10. Yeah. You ever seen that movie where a girl looks down a hallway? Shit's crazy. I mean, that's the, the movie poster. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. It shows you that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she grabs a mirror and angles it to reflect light out of the window down the uh, down the hallway. That's from this. Yeah. Uh, not the not from the window. It's from the light above. Oh, her. okay. From the light above her. The hanging one. Yeah. There's a light hanging above her. Yeah. This is very smart. Yeah. It is very. So smart. So she's kind of lighting it up a little bit, and then now she decides to enter it. Still yeah. on it. Yeah, that. I mean, like, if you're in this neighborhood, you think it's almost empty, like, honestly. And that's the crazy thing about it. It's like this guy's running down there earlier in the story, and he's banging on her door. She doesn't really see anybody there. It's like everything's dilapidated and broken down, but you don't see the squatters if they're there. And, like, I found that interesting. And then uh, how all this other parts play out was strange because of that, I think. Yeah. So. So tense music begins to play as she enters. Uh, slowly she travels through and she finds another door and this door is open and there's electricity in this room. The room has a few items in it. It is a gnarly, gnarly white room. That's got scratched up walls and stuff like that. There is a VHS camcorder on a tripod which is pointed at a stained mattress on a rusty frame and a five-gallon bucket. 
she kind of sees this stuff and then she sees a bloody palm print on the wall and she's out of there yeah that's just that's you already know what's going like they've set that up so well you, you, there's no guessing what went on in there like you know what? like that keith murdered a lot of people yeah that's what you do think <laughs> yeah that's exactly what you think what, yes what i yeah. do love about this movie and it definitely goes against everything that i've said in previous episodes is uh for these kind of things you don't see any of it you don't it's no. all alluded to it's all in your own mind you see that and you instantly are like oh my god you see some other stuff later on oh my god and it's all yep. it's all in your head uh I'd, but it's enough that it's, it just messes with it's you so much. gives you just a taste yeah. to then for you to start forming whatever what, you are which is probably it. worse than actually singing it yeah. in this it case. is yeah obviously horrible so uh she uh Here's some knocking upstairs, uh, runs to the window and starts yelling out. And she said, sees Keith trying to get in. He's like, what are you doing down there? And uh, she's like, I'm stuck down here. They kind of wedge the door or the window open. She gives him the key. He gets in the house and gets her in. And she is like, we need to get the fuck out of here. There's this room down there, explains what's in it and everything. And Keith's like, Wait, what? Like, what? I what's down there like you're gonna leave over that and <laughs> basically yeah because this is the thing this is and this goes back to the whole like a guy's brain versus a woman's brain woman sees that shit and she's like rape dungeon a uh, guy sees gonna be trapped in there yeah yeah guy sees it and is, which we see later uh guy sees it and yeah. it's just like oh okay there's just like some random odds and ends because he even says it's like it's a basement there's usually a lot of random stuff it's like there's a mattress and a bucket that's like in a video camcorder and it's like yeah if i told you there's a room containing some objects and stuff a guy's gonna be like there's some objects there woman sees it and it's just like (laughs) great dungeon (laughs) well it's kind of like us going back to when we watched the strangers and then you know, there you're. You told me you would go outside and try to scare these people off. Yeah. And in my head, I'm like, "You're fucking crazy." Yeah, there is no way I'm going out I'm there not, to try to scare yeah. anybody else. Don't be fucking can, with my Merle Haggard records. <laughs> yeah, like there's just no way. And I think that's a good good understanding of like the difference between men and women, and they do play that up really well in this. Yeah. So uh, he's like, huh. "Well, I just I just need to see it for myself. Give me twenty seconds." You know, she and mm-hmm. she's she is pleading with him, like, please do not go down. He's like, calm down. It's going to be all right. I'm just going to go down. I just want to see what you're talking about. Uh, yep. He's like, and she's like getting ready to leave. And I, I think that but this- you think this is creepy, though, right? Because you like, he's just going down. He's making, not making it a big deal because you think he's the one that's been using this room and then he's not making a big deal of it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But I really like this line. Uh it's almost like is it is it too good or is it like real in the sense where he's like i'm sorry if it seems like i'm not taking you seriously i just didn't see it like you're freaking out about it but i didn't see it so i don't have this context and that's how my brain works it's like i i understand that's exactly you i understand you're freaked out and everything but i can't understand the freak out if you're going to tell me well there's a chicken nugget and like there's a sand castle and we got to leave i'm like uh I don't understand how that's scary. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think if it would have been like, if I would have been in this, God, I hope I'm never in this situation. (laughs) But like, it would have been one of these things, like, just take my word for it. It's terrible. I'm not over exaggerating. Let's just go. Hitler is downstairs making balloon animals. We have to go. Yeah. Yes. Get out of here. (laughs) So, uh, he goes downstairs and she's yelling down from the top of the stairs going like, do you see it? And you hear him like off of the distance, like, yeah. And she's uh, responds back. You can come back up now. Silence. No response. Mm-hmm. Tess keeps the door uh, or she gets ready to go downstairs and she hears the door closing, runs upstairs, stops it from closing, grabs a chair, wedges it under the doorknob, goes downstairs phone flashlight in hand she returns to the bucket room looking for keith and he's nowhere to be found nope why did she go downstairs i know see and as it's written you think he's baiting her to go downstairs yep i've known this guy for less than an hour i'm not going to say this (laughs) yeah uh we don't see justin long until 40 minutes in this film so the whole opening of this movie tasha's favorite part of the movie is 40 minutes Yes. Yes. Yeah. So uh, she's looking around for him with the flashlight now because she did not have this previously and finds that there's another secret door at the end of this hallway. Um, When she opens it, she finds that it is a set of stairs that descends downward. So we're already in a basement in a secret hallway behind a secret door that we then find another secret door with a secret staircase descending to yeah. which she yells down, Keith. And you can hear Keith yelling her name and for help uh, off in the distance. And we follow her claustrophobic descent down these stairs. And he's yelling, please. Yeah. It comes off very baity. Like, please. Yeah. Oh, yeah. there's ninjas here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Phone flashlight in hand. Oh, nope. Also, why did he go further? Well, we don't know if... We don't know. We don't know if he went there on purpose or if what's in this area... Oh. Dragged him. Yeah. So... uh, Fair. As she's she's walking through, we see a metal gate. And we hear Keith in the distance yelling for help. She then sees rusty metal cages with food dishes. They're heavy-duty dog cages down here that have been here for a long time yeah big big ones and they're rusted like all of this imagery and stuff knowing what happens in the future of this film is so horrifying it is not even knowing what happens just seeing it for face value the first time yeah Yeah. it's creepy but you're thinking about her like Mm -hmm. being in one of those cages maybe yeah Exactly. Somebody's been in there. So Mm -hmm. she begins to yell, answer me, Keith. And Keith crawls up to her out of the darkness. Um, He's he's telling her to shush. Keep it down. Keep it down. And she's like, what are you doing? Like freaking out a bit. He says, someone else is down here. Something bit me. We have to go. We have to go this way, which is away from the stairs. So at this point, I'm like, this motherfucker's like, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He's like a werewolf or some shit. Like we got some like crazy yeah. shit going on. He's just like, there's something he, the other thing is him is, yeah. but he, yeah. but he doesn't even know it. Like that was where my brain was. Okay. Um, And it's at this time we reach page 45. Oh yeah. dear Jesus. So yeah. Krager 
at this point is like, well, everyone knows that fucking Keith's going to kill her. And I don't want that. So he, he, uh, he's read, uh, like David Lynch's like books on writing and stuff like that and everything. And he uses like transcendental meditation while writing scripts and he's doing that. And while he's like sitting here, like what should happen at this big naked lady jumps out of nowhere and kills him. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. Let's see where that takes this story. Cause this story as like, as he wrote this script is in order. He didn't outline, like I wanted to go here. He just unearthed it and got it to the end. So he's a pantser. Yep. He's just, he does it by the seat of his pants. Okay. So as I said, a big naked lady smashes Keith's skull into the wall repeatedly. Uh, and it's graphic. It's very graphic and it's intense oh, and it's just repeated smash, 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 smash. Yep. We then cut to the Pacific coast. I love this. This is so abrupt and completely out of fucking tune. Sun, sunshine, <laughs> and it's very confused. Sunshine and Keith, Keith, or Keith, Justin Long driving a drop top Porsche, singing Ricky Ticky Tabby. <laughs> yep. And uh, the first time we watched this, I paused the movie, backed out, was like, "Did something fuck up? Is this the right? This is so like, what the fuck is going on? This isn't the right like." I can't. I, this yep. changed movies. Yep. It's exactly what happens. Because Justin Long is not in the trailer. Like, I thought, like, for some reason, um, something fucked up with, like, the streaming of it. And it was just like, no, we're going to watch this Justin Long movie. And I was like, no, but no, I wanted to watch Barbarian. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, we're still watching the same movie. Uh, we just have an abrupt cut to the Pacific Coast where uh, Justin Long's character, AJ, is driving his car, singing, just having a having a good old time, and he gets a phone call, and it's from uh, what sounds like maybe the the producers or his publicist, his publicist mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's his publicist. Yeah, from a show that he's uh, working on, I believe that they've shot the pilot for, and they inform him that AJ has been accused of raping a co-star of the pilot that he was in. And it does not look good for him. Originally, they don't name it that way. They say that he's in trouble for being sexually aggressive. Yeah. And then, then they kind of build upon that. So they're not just coming out the gate telling you that. Yeah, because uh, as as they kind of build it up and everything, uh, the only thing that he's caring about is the pilot. Because they're like, you know, yeah. Yeah. these accusations came out. It's like, wait, like. are they not airing the show is this not like it has not like he's so detached from like any like wrongdoing or anything and he's just cussing up a storm like he's just so angry at this woman how dare she could do this to him and they're telling him then go ahead yeah he's like i brought her onto the show and everything because they're like if they do go on with the show it will be without you and he's like i'm fired i got her this job like i was the first one to sign on to this and i brought her on and everything and they're like he's like that fucking bitch like is there's so much rage in him Mm -hmm. and uh he just keeps saying stuff like this is being blown out of proportion and all this stuff and uh that's when he's like no tell me tell me is she saying i raped her or something and uh come the guy comes on is like yes yeah that's exactly what is being said uh the voices that you're actually hearing this is zach Krager and his wife uh they are they are voicing these people okay 
Yeah, and then when they're doing this, then the guy drops like, or the girl or guy, I can't remember who, was like, yeah, um, there's other stuff going happen happening. And they drop the story into the news the next day. It's going live. And that's that's a big deal. Yeah, it's going to be like in the, uh, like some sort of like report. There's going to be an article hitting the newsstands mm -hmm. tomorrow about this. And I think this really sets the stage as to how self-absorbed he is. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. The rest of the movie. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, as much as I hate AJ in this movie, the fact that Justin Long is playing this character makes it so funny in a weird yes. way uh, because he was not the original intention for this character when Krager was writing this film. And I, this, I'm not disparaging this, this actor or anything like that, but this was written for Zac Efron. He thought about oh. having Zac Efron as this part. And when Zac passed on it, he decided to try something different. And with the counter casting, as I call it, he's already signed on Keith as Bill or Bill Skarsgård as Keith, which you've got a monster playing a good guy. And then he gets Justin Long, who is like this endearing character actor playing this absolute monster of a person. Yep. That's true, because like everything Justin Long's in, for the most part, he's like the really fun, loving guy that you just—he's charismatic and he's fun, and you love him. Yep. And you know, not in this movie. <laughs> he loves horror movies, though. He's been in quite a few of yeah, them. Yeah, he's yeah, Jeepers Creepers. He was in Tusk. Mm -hmm. He gets turned into a walrus. <laughs> oh man! So uh, he's in Drag Me to Hell. He yeah, talks a lot about, about his love of horror on his podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to do that one sometime. Drag Me to Hell. It's got him in it, and that's done by Sam Raimi, who did the Evil Dead movies. Okay. But, okay. Uh, so it cuts to him talking to his accountant and basically saying, like, so if you're going to be going through this uh, lawsuit about the rape, and you're going to counter sue her for, like, defamation of character and slander or whatever, uh, that's going to be about $140,000 for both court cases, and he will be bankrupt in three months with no money coming in at the rate that he is spending. Yeah. And he's like, what? Like, so you're saying I got to sell my house and stuff. And this is where he, this is, it, this is so different to me because you know, all my finances and stuff I'm on top of, cause I'm not a big, like big wig actor and stuff. He doesn't even really know that where his like assets are and stuff. And this is when his accountant tells him like, well, you've got some properties in Michigan that, you know, are like you can li liquidate them and get some money so uh he's like all right i i guess i'm gonna have to go to michigan and do this and this is when the accountant's like well at the end of the week i'm gonna give you your files and everything he's like what what's that mean he's like uh i'm no longer working for you so definitely uh aj has a black mark on him a bit mm -hmm. so aj is we're uh he's in michigan now at, I believe it's the airport. He's getting into his rental and stuff, and he sees uh, the article about him has been written. And he's getting into his car, and uh, he's talking to his lawyer on the phone, and says that you know if I could just like talk to her or something, like we could we could just like nip this in the butt and it'd be done. So he's already just like it's, it's really not that big of a problem. I can just explain my way out of this. This is so sleazy. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, this this dude is just slimy as slimy can be. 
the lawyer yes. the lawyer tells him not to talk to the victim <clears throat> not to talk to the victim and uh he's like well that's whatever fine well i'm in the i'm in detroit and he's like why are why are you in detroit and he's telling him like well i'm here to liquidate some items and stuff i'm not here on fucking vacation and he's like you weren't supposed to leave the state it doesn't look good when you're being investigated for rape and you leave the state and uh he's just again it's just like what am i going to be arrested like still so dismissive about everything like that he's above it all so aj goes to the office of the place that his property goes through and gives the receptionist some attitude when she doesn't know who he is because he just comes in <laughs> and is just like I'm AJ so and so and she's like what what and like like I you, don't care. you <laughs> haven't seen me in this television show like that kind of bullshit his ego is through the roof yep yeah. and this is when we are when I find out oh we are still watching the same movie because AJ gets informed that the address of his residency that he owns is 476 Barbary Street it's like oh. Oh, this and we're back. This is yeah. barbarian. Okay. Yeah. So AJ pulls up to 476 and sees a jeep out front of his property, uh, and he starts going through the house and everything. And it's kind of and it's not in disarray, but it looks like people have been staying here. And he's just like, "What the fuck?" It's okay. And he's a complete dick about it. My gosh, like, oh, who dares stay here and leave their shit here? And he has no concern about these people at all. He's just like, well, you made a mess. Yep. So he sees that the basement door is held open with a chair. So we've seen this. Mm-hmm. And he's annoyed thinking that someone is staying here. So uh, he calls the company that basically does the upkeep and stuff for him. So he owns the property but a company takes care of it for him. And he's like, uh, are there people staying here? And they inform him that we haven't had any tenants there for a few weeks. And he's like, well, the house is a mess and there's shit here. Like, do I have squatters? And they inform him that maids don't clean the house until be like a tenant is to come. Then they clean it like right before they show up. So it's freshly cleaned. And, he just still just like, well, that's a fucked up way to do things. Just, just still like <laughs> just completely just an ass. Uh, he's in the bathroom and stuff. And we get some more AJ just being a complete douchebag to his mom on the phone that says that, uh, you know, well, Detroit's only a four hour flight. You know, we'd love to see you and everything. So we're basically informed that AJ is in his hometown and is didn't tell his parents that he's there. He's just, like his name's in the news, all this shit. His family's kind of worried about him. And he's just like, fuck it. I got to sell this place and everything. Um, he gets another phone call and basically cuts his mom off. He's like, mom, I got another business call. Uh, I gotta let you go. She's like, okay, I love you. And he just hangs up on her. Yep. And I'm not going to repeat how he answers the phone. No, that was horrible. But it, but it's one of his friends and he just goes, what's up? And, uh, homophobic slur is used as a greeting yep and we cut to aj drinking uh heavily it seems because he seems like he's uh pretty drunk at a bar and he's opening up to his friend uh about raping this girl uh the guy that he's opening up to is played by zach Krager, our director and writer and the friend is like so like just tell me man like what happened and 
He's just like, you know, she just took some convincing, man. She came around, you know, like I got the eye of the tiger, you know. She, she was like, no, no, no at first. But, you know, like <laughs> after a while, she was into it. Yeah, no, that doesn't work that way, but yeah. sure. Disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. But it's but I think that but I think that that scene where he's talking about that where like he's trying to convince her and he's being like co- like coercing and all that stuff that like that's a that's very common that women go through on a regular basis uh, when you are dating or in that world so like totally happens and so I like that um, it kind of plays into that into this kind of it doesn't just say hey I raped her but I actually yeah. these steps to get us there. Well, and that's what Krager was saying. He's like, he's like, I'm not discounting rape, rape victims or anything like that. He's like, but I, I have a feeling that I would say maybe 75% of rapes are done through coercion yep. and not at knife point. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, like how he wrote it is extremely oh, yeah. realistic. Yeah. I know, yeah. yeah. And this is going a little personal, and I know this isn't part about the movie, but I remember dating somebody in like my late 20s probably, and he was in the military at the time, and he was a little bit older than me, and I didn't know any better because I was, you know, I was like, I was like 19. And he, w- he was one of those guys that was just like, oh, come on, come on, you know. And then at some point, as a, as a, a girl and you're alone and they're being very aggressive, sometimes you just kind of go okay and you don't I didn't even realize that how horrible that was until the age that I am now and going oh wow that's really messed up dude like I did not agree to that but I kind of did because I just let it happen so yeah that's what really got me about this movie it was well that was well portrayed yeah we cut to AJ drunk at Barbary Street and he calls uh, the victim his victim Megan uh, and leaves her a voicemail apologizing kinda for upsetting her I'm not e- and he says I'm not even mad at you about the article you- and you know like Jesus. there's there's just two you know there's like two different stories yeah no and all this stuff it's just uh previously we'd had gaslighting the movie what was that gaslighting does anybody remember that was in strangers in strangers oh yeah that was that was gaslighting the people movie. being in the house I this think. is like the heaviest and also oculus <laughs> oculus think, yeah. oculus, oh, is yeah. oculus was got, got but man he yeah, is just like a lot of them. it's so much of just like you know like it's it's okay and if you would just talk to me i'll apologize to you again and you can see like he's apologizing because he got found out. He's yep. not apologizing because yeah. he's sorry. Yep. He's apologizing because there's ramifications and he's getting emotional about it. Not because he feels bad about what he did. He feels bad yeah. that what he has quote unquote worked for is getting taken from yeah. him. Well, he doesn't even think he did yeah. anything wrong. Like in this whole movie, there's no right. no part of this. Does he actually feel like a bad person that he's actually made poor choices? There is a, like a small blip of consciousness which doesn't even turn into consciousness in this movie with him, but that's it. Like he is a very self-centered egotistical man. And I don't even think the crying is like a genuine cry. I think it's him feigning sadness. Oh, do you? Of, I th- I, like making himself cry. Yeah. Either that or it's the, the alcohol. That's what I thought there it was. is no yeah. way that it's, there's no way that it's genuine. I thought it was the alcohol allowing his like fear to show through. Correct. Like that's all I that's thought it I was. That's what I thought too. Yeah. Uh, we then cut to him waking up hungover. And he's puking in the toilet and he, he then begins to start go through Tess and Keith's things. At which point he chucks Tess's uh, MacBook 
and I was like, "Hey, no, that's expensive." Yeah. <laughs> so disrespectful. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Because like he d- goes to type her password in, and I don't know if he just types the word password in and it doesn't work. He's like, "Oh, my <laughs> hacking skills have been bested once again." Just chucks it. But that Garbage. doesn't. At the same time, it that all of a sudden because a woman leaves you because you see her name or whatever on the computer screen and then you have a very expensive object in your house that doesn't make you think oh shit something's going on i should probably call the police or something because this doesn't make any sense that is that just floored me in this movie because i was like did this motherfucker really just throw that and then not care it goes the he says the computer yeah. wronged me. This is the computer's exactly. fault. How, how <laughs> dare this computer? How dare this computer slander yeah, my name? Yeah, exactly. Oh, my lord! But, uh, and oh, not man. let me in. So AJ's going through the house, and then he sees that the uh, he goes down to the basement uh, because I think he hears like a, some slamming or something down there. So he gets uh, a knife and a flashlight, and he's like yelling down that I've got a gun and if anyone's down there I'm gonna start blasting you know like he's just like stupid super super macho like uh like someone standing out on their front porch yelling about somebody fucking with their Merle Haggard records like who the fuck would do that <laughs> who does that douchebags that's who right so he goes downstairs and he begins to hear like movement behind the wall and that at this point he finds the rope uh that's on the do- the wall because uh, I believe the slamming sound we heard previously is the door shutting. Okay. So so he goes down there and he um, pulls the rope because the door was open all the time prior. We hear the slamming. Yeah. So opens the rope door and begins to walk in. And he's just kind of like Keith says and, well, and Georgina says. Uh, or Tess, rather. God, Tess says that, uh, you know, guy would just kind of barge in or whatever. So he starts walking in. He finds the VHS room. And uh, we're we're still mortified by seeing this again. And it just cuts to him Googling if this stuff can be used as added square footage to sell his house. Yeah. This is so absurd. Yeah, I love <laughs> oh it my God. so much. <laughs> he doesn't this care about scene. the bed or the nothing not oh. the tripod not not nothing not the nope, creepy tunnel nothing. nope he's just going to keep on measuring like, everything yep he's like reading <laughs> he keeps going yep he's just like reading this and he's like no it's not considered livable space but it could be used as extra space like extra whatever space he's like yes awesome so he gets the tape measure <laughs> and literally just starts doing the math just how long's this corridor oh how how far is this and he's like literally just like basically like moving the the shit bucket out of the way it's like over by the vhs camcorder like oh okay if we do we carry the seven it's about this much square feet uh finds the fucking secret staircase extra the extra room and we got to him fucking measuring the staircase. He's like nine feet. Nice. <laughs> like just so, so, fucked so up. ridiculous. Yes. Um, so yeah, he's measuring and everything and he's getting pretty stoked about these tunnels. Uh, <laughs> he, but, uh, the stokedness, his, his stokedness decreases a bit as he sees a light coming from a room and it's, uh, emitting like a soft music. It's got like a light purple, you coming out of it uh as he walks up to it you see uh breastfeeding on a tv 
Uh, it well, he like yells hello all- first. He yells hello. Like, he's acknowledging okay. himself. So I was like, what the? F- you're down here. You see these cages. You pass by these. And then you're yelling hello? Who the fuck does that? Like, that- uh, is this America? I pay my taxes. <laughs> I didn't even know I own this house. Get the hell out of my house. I mean, he does grab his knife or something. I think he, like, grasps it a little bit tighter when he when he sees the light and he yells hello but at the same time i'm just like wh- why would you do that <laughs> i mean justin long is a very scary character <laughs> like i if i saw justin long somewhere i'd be like whoa guys we need to go yeah. on the other sidewalk this guy's yeah the brick shit house over here so uh <laughs> he sees the uh, breastfeeding on this old like tube television and it looks like an old health uh health vhs uh i believe it's called your your newborn and you is the name of it and he's like what the fuck it's at this point that the tape measure uh starts to uncoil towards him so you're hearing the the sound he drops the tape measure um and he freaks the fuck out he begins to run drops the flashlight the flashlight now is starting to flash because it's kind of fucked up and we see the naked woman AJ begins to run away from said naked woman and falls into a hole in the ground. As he looks up, a gate closes on top and we are reunited with Tess. Yep. And she's at well, she's supposed to have been there for like two weeks at this point from the sounds of it or between a week and two weeks. Yeah. So again, we cut. I'm, I'm ready for it this time. I'm not checking for another movie. We cut to Barbary Street in the 80s. Uh, I originally thought it was like maybe the 60s or something like that. Like, just because it, it like 50s, 60s, it felt like it had like this nuclear family. It does. Look and everything. But if, but if you, but if you really look at like the cars and stuff like that, it definitely has an 80s feel. The VHSs and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, you kind of get that it's the 80s from when uh, the naked lady who is credited as Mama. So that's what I'm going to refer to her as from now on. Uh, with the time passage of how long and stuff has happened, it's alluded to that it is the 80s. Well, it also on uh, the, as soon as the that scene cuts, he's getting into the car, he turns his car on in the scene, and it's talking about the Reagan administration on the radio, and then as he's driving to the supermarket, so like you're getting a little blip of your timeline by that hint. So yeah, it's a beautifully like perfect neighborhood, and we're following this man uh, through his uh, daily uh, routine. God, I hope it's not his daily routine, but it kind of seems like it is. Seems like it. Uh, we follow him through a grocery store, and he asks someone, and he's, uh, oh, God, he's looking for plastic sheets mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. and baby things. And uh, the lady is like, what do you, so what do you, like, when are you do? Blah, blah, blah. Like, what, are you going to this hospital? It's like, just real cold like not in a not in a sinister way like he's not sinister when he's speaking um to me anyhow no i agree but what but what the fuck do i know uh i'm not a woman and this this movie i guarantee is 10 times more terrifying for a woman than it is uh just some dude but uh he says that they're having a i think we've already (laughs) oh yeah but uh he says that they're having a home birth and she's like, Oh, you know, good luck and everything hands him a VHS. And this is where you find out the title of the, 
movie that was being shown downstairs is Your Newborn and You. He begins to load up his car, and as he's doing so, he spots a woman loading her blue car. He begins to follow her with his vehicle, so when her vehicle takes off, he begins to take off. He then is waiting near her house, watching her unload her vehicle. Tense music begins to play as he gets a, a repairman's overalls out of his trunk. He uh, shows up at her house and says that he works for DWP, ma'am, checking for outages. So he says that he's here basically for the gas company, the water company. I believe it's the water because he checks the faucets. Yeah. When he goes to the bathroom to do so, he unlocks the window, goes back out, and drives home. Uh, this is horrifying. The way that this is like put together. The way it's shot and follows him through it and everything is pretty fucking creepy. <clears throat> Uh, when he gets home, his neighbor comes up and says that, just so you know, you know, there's a sign going up in the front yard. We're going to be moving. You know, the neighborhood's going to shit. And the wife thinks that if we don't sell now, that we won't be able to get out of here next year. And Frank says he's not going anywhere. Well, this is when we find out his name's Frank, because that's when the neighbor yep. addresses him. And he's like, Frank. And then he's like talking to him all buddy, buddy, like. Not Carlos, which is the name on his overalls. <laughs> Yeah, so that's when we realize yeah. that that's a lie. And the the neighbor is also a comedian. That's Kurt Brownoller. That's who I thought it was, is Kurt Brownoller. Yeah, I, I like him. I always like him. Uh, and the actor that plays Frank, I uh, his name is escaping me. I've but seen him in been, something, yeah. He's He's been in Rob Zombie films. Okay. He's in... I believe he's in uh, the Nicolas Cage movie Mandy. Like, he's got, like, some... like. Uh, some street cred when it comes to it. So he definitely is typecasted, which is funny because the other two are not. Mm -hmm. What do you got, Tasha? Richard, Richard Brake. Richard Brake. There we go. Yeah. So you, he kind of just has this, like, he, he just has a look to him that, yeah. you know, but he takes his home birth goods, uh, into the home. And as he opens the basement door, we can hear a woman screaming mm -hmm. and we cut back to uh, AJ and Tess in the hole. So that whole scene in the 80s was the one that the producer uh, was like, it just needs an added layer. And that's what he fucking wrote. And if this movie did not have that scene, I don't know I agree. if we would actually, I wouldn't be interested in talking about mm -mm. it. That, that this part right. builds everything. Yeah, it makes, it, it brings everything home and makes everything so much more terrifying. Yes. Whether you find this to be a scary movie or not, the 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 premise. the premise, yeah, like the idea of what is happening here is horrifying. So uh, Tess is telling AJ that he's got to be calm, and if you get upset, she gets upset, and he's like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Again, just being overly dramatic. Um, and a gnarly bottle, baby bottle, comes down through the gate and she tells him to drink it. Which he doesn't. No, he's... He's like, I'm not doing like, this. He's disgusted by it. Tess begins to drink it. And uh, she explains to him that she just wants you to be her baby. Uh, he's not having it. And Mama jumps down and is forcing the bottle at him and just keeps going, bah, 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 bah. 
Um, and she cuddles Tess at this time. Like, she holds her against her chest and loves her like it's her child. Another another thing that he did not intend for, because she's going ba 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 and stuff like that, because it's a bottle and all that stuff. Uh, the reason that the Romans and stuff called the barbarians barbarians is because their language to them sounded like nothing but bas and bars. And so they were barbarians. Mm. So the fact oh. that that's how she speaks was just another happy accident. Okay. So AJ freaks the fuck out and Mama drags him off to the VHS room and lays him down on the ground and boops his nose. <laughs> this is where this like this movie just lost me. <laughs> at, honestly, where Mama comes out the first time we see her, that was when I was kind of like, okay, what is this? Yeah, because we have I, we, I don't... we haven't really explained like Mama is like a six foot plus woman with naked naked sagging boobs uh gangly hair just never seen the sun it's like me if like a humanoid me if i was a woman whatever think of that (laughs) oh no god so uh at this time it comes back to tess climbing out of the hole and AJ is basically being strangled by Mama as she begins to attempt to breastfeed him since he won't take the bottle. Mm-hmm. And Tess sees this and is basically just like, nah, man. She walks by the room yeah, seeing I'm this out. is like, fuck this. Which, good on you. Go. Uh, he did it to himself. She, trip, she trips over the measuring tape, which makes a loud noise. And Mama hears. So Tess climbs out of the basement window and the homeless man helps her. He explains that you're safe. You got out of there. And uh, she's like, no, I've got a friend down there, you know, blah, 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 explaining. And uh, this is where he goes. She isn't even she isn't even the worst thing in there, which I think is a very ominous line. Mm-hmm. And that she comes out at night. So we cut back to AJ in the tunnels and he find because he's he's escaped her as mama went chasing after Tess. Uh, he finds a bell attached to a rope and he begins to follow it and he finds another door. As he gets to the door, Mama starts closing in on him and as she notices the door, she slowly backs away and leaves him be. AJ enters the door and it cuts to Tess finding a gas station. AJ finds... uh, So it cuts to her finding the gas station. Then we It's so much cutting back and forth at this point. AJ finds a disgusting bedroom trash all over the floor. There's only like a desk lamp and the blue light of a television. Uh, And you hear coughing and it's Frank 40 years later, lit only by the TV and desk lamp. We then cut back to Tess speaking to some cops and they basically are writing her off thinking that she's some sort of junkie. Uh, It then cuts back to Frank like nonverbal, just like ugh, ugh, stuff uh, pointing and AJ's like, do you want water? Gets him some water from the table that's next to him. So he starts uh, drinking that and AJ's like, you know, I'm going to get out and there's going to be cops swarming all over this place. And like, it cuts to Frank's eyes kind of like, oh shit, this isn't good. Uh, and Frank wants something else. AJ can't understand what he wants and everything. So he just brings him the entire bedside table to him. 
and uh, Frank begins to get into the the drawer of the table. We then cut back to the cops uh, are now in front of uh, the house on Barbary Street, and the cops won't break into it uh, because you know she is acting erratic. You know, given the fact that like she's like, there's a person down there, and they're killing these people and all this stuff, and given the neighborhood and everything, going back to the fact that they're just like, yeah, okay. Yep. Uh, there's a, a radio call that there's been shots fired. So they're like, all right, we're out. And they just fucking leave her ass yeah, there. That's messed up. <laughs> so uh, we then cut to uh, some VHS tapes that that are on a shelf oh. by said uh, TV. And I listed a lot of them down. So bear with too. me. Uh, these are the titles of these tapes that I believe came from the rape dungeon room that we have seen a couple times. <clears throat> There's no believing. That's exactly where yeah. they came from. And he rewatches them, obviously, yeah. because his TV's on and um, it's right next to it. It is so yep. the title With titles such as Face Scar, Very Old, Asian Biter, Wart Fat, Pregnant, Hitchhiker, Won't Stop Crying, No Teeth, Junkie, Puker, and Blind. So these are the titles. Uh, there was also there was also the redheaded homeless and the cab driver, <laughs> the liquor clerk. This dude's just gathering fuck? up anybody. Like that's the thing that that's the thing that makes this like terrifying. Is like it's not like it's like like I mean I'm not measuring on bad versus bad. I'm just saying it's. It's not one or two. This motherfucker has a library of rape victims that he has mm -hmm. videotaped. At least 40, because I counted at least that many on there. That's insane. And this is one of those scenes that brought me back into it. Like at first, when they first found that room, I was like, this seems far-fetched. This guy's just living in a dungeon. Like, how is he getting food, water, blah, blah, blah. Like, I started to get the reality part of it. And then it cut to that, and I was like, oh, shit. And then, like, all those gross feels. Yeah. But, but he, like, kills them, right? So, like, that's obvious. But they don't, we don't learn, we don't learn anything about that. And then you don't know what he does with the bodies. They don't talk about any of that in this movie. It's not, that's not the focus. The focus is just the that he's dusting. done this. Yes. And that he, uh, I be like I believe like we kind of allude to like he has impregnated multiple women in this mm -hmm. basement and he's had multiple children and there's been inbreeding and like all of this stuff going on and that is why mama yep, is the, home mama the homeless is. man explains it. and that's what I don't understand oh yeah, there you but, go but how does but who's inbreeding it's him having like him and those babies a bunch of are women. being born and then he's raping those babies yeah oh Sorry, everybody. This is supposed to be fun and funny. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, AJ pushes okay. the tape into the VCR. <laughs> and we cut to Tess breaking into the house. It then cuts back to AJ, AJ seeing what is on the tape, but not us. Thank God. Thank you. Yeah. He goes, what the fuck is wrong with you? And Frank pulls a gun on AJ from the side table. And we cut to Tess getting in the car. And I'm like, awesome, Tess, leave. Get the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. um, and Frank is pointing the gun at AJ, then 
puts it up to his head and shoots himself in the head because what AJ had. Yep. AJ said he was going to bring the cops and he's not going to be tried for the things that he's done. So he takes the coward's Mm -hmm. way out. He's also like, if you do the timeline and stuff, he's probably in his sixties. Maybe, maybe even maybe a little bit like maybe a little bit older. He looks older with the makeup and stuff they did to him. He looks like he's like maybe in his eighties. Maybe. He looks like he doesn't Mm -hmm. get out. He's bedridden. Yep. Watching his movies has and living, reliving his uh, glory days and disgusting ways. So uh, when we thought Tess was going to be leaving, we find out that she just squares the car up to the house and it's nighttime now. And mama comes flying out that house and Tess pins her to the house with her car. Yep. Mm, Yeah. I thought that too. And we're, we believe Mm -hmm. that mama is dead. We cut back to AJ grabbing the gun and goes back into the tunnels with his shitty flashlight. We then cut to Tess returning to the tunnels. And before she can even finish the word hello, we hear pop and AJ shoots her again. I think this would have been an awesome spot to end the film almost like in a night of the living dead fashion where your hero is killed like abruptly kind of like not that it's like yay they killed the only good person in this movie but just like the abruptness of it and how unfair it would be but yeah that the asshole Mm -hmm. got to live um so tess again begins to lead aj uh out of this place so he's like comes up to her and is gaslighting her on the ground after he shot her like i didn't see i didn't even see you i did oh (laughs) maybe you know like i just I freaked out and it it doesn't look that bad. I think you'll be all right. Like gathers her up. Uh, Tess is like, we're going to go this way. She's leading AJ to the homeless man and they get to, I think it's like the water tower area and they run into the homeless man that we've seen earlier. And he begins to explain that, Oh, she's been there for 40 years. Uh, She was born there raised there she didn't see the son of the sun until she was a full-grown man and uh the homeless man explains how she's a product of inbreeding mm-hmm. and uh it's at this point that aj has a kind of a redeeming a redemption arc that is not fulfilled no. by any means but no. he's Short-lived. like you know what i might be a bad person but but maybe i'm a good person who just did a bad thing and uh, uh, te- nope. Tess is like, so like, why hasn't she fucked with you? And he's like, man, I've been here 15 years and she ain't ever. And then mama comes Kool-Aid man in through that wall, <laughs> yeah. grabs the homeless man up, rips his arm off and begins to beat him to death with his own arm. And why? you like this scene. I, and I thought this was so stupid. I love it I'm not shocked that Nick liked this. I love yeah. it because it's so stupid. I don't love it. Uh, I don't love it because how realistic it is. I love it because of how out of left field it comes. She just bursts through this brick wall. It's Kool-Aid man style. Like, oh, yeah. Grabs him up, rips the arm off. And, and not just like one or two. It's like. Going to town, drumline style, just beating the ever-living hell out of this dude with his own arm. But up until this point, or the car point where she hits her, like, you believe that this stuff is more believable. And as you get towards the end of this movie, this is what ruins the ending for me. It's because it becomes too over the top that it becomes less 
more it comes less realistic yeah i, and I See, don't I like that mama was unrealistic from the gate like right See, out of the gate i didn't I did think it. the monster was realistic at all like there's no I just, I don't see that concept forming that type of creature. Well, it's kind of explained in the fact that, like, the only thing that she's ever been taught through her entire life is the VHS tape, so motherly affection to to give to babies, and the unrelenting torture and punishment of her father. So those are the only things that she knows. So she only knows how to deal with things in two ways. To love things that are giving her love or to destroy things that are seen as a problem. And I see that. I get the learning of that. It's her It's her appearance. Is it the appearance that just throws it all out for you? Yes. I, yes. I mean, it's... It would have been so much better if we never saw her. Okay. Or just and parts she... of her. Yeah, or she was like lurking in the shadows, or we saw just the arm drop down and then him getting scuffled away by a shadow of a thing. But I actually agree. I do thing? agree with that. I think it would be more surprising, I guess. Yeah, like it, it keeps in with that, like leaving stuff up to the imagination, like mm-hmm. the creepy room Yeah, when they first saw it, stuff like that. I agree with that. So after uh, the dude gets played like a drum, AJ and Tess go up to the roof of the water treatment plant water tower, water tower. and uh aj's not helping and he just leaves her yeah. no i was gonna say he just like fucking leaves her he shoots her and is like hey i'm gonna run ahead of you good luck she, <laughs> like she, peace out she's struggling to get up there and everything and mama is closing in and she tells him like get your gun you know the one you fucking shot me with <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like oh yeah that thing uh he starts fumbling with it <laughs> drops it off the fucking roof like he yep. does yeah, yeah. And uh, she finally gets to the roof, and he has he finishes his redemption arc at this very moment. Oh my god! He brings it, he brings it all around. He says, "I can get away from her, but you're gonna have to slow her down." And he straight up yeets Tess off the roof. Off the roof! Oh my god! Yes, I could not believe that. Yeah, and when I first saw this, my mouth fell fucking open. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Did that really just happen?" <laughs> So we cut oh, we cut man. to Tess falling. A good like 40 plus feet. Our reviewer from previously says 50 feet. We'll take her word for it. And we then get to see Mama swan diving off the top of the roof and basically breaks Tess's fall. Yep. Again, AJ comes down, sees that Tess is still alive, laying on her, like kind of like uh, uh, gaslighting all day i i had no choice you started to slip <laughs> yeah because that that's what me. happened yeah <laughs> you were slipping jesus uh, you, you i mean you you had to have been there i mean you were there but you had to have been there oh my gosh <laughs> so he's he's doing all this shit and everything he stands her up and they're like all right let's get on our way and mama stands up and puts her thumbs through AJ's eyes and rips his head in half. <laughs> Which again is kind of like that little too over the top for this. Yeah. The big thing is that Krieger said that uh, he wanted 
he wanted everybody to understand that AJ is a piece of shit character. He didn't, <laughs> yes. he did not want people to be like, well, maybe he didn't rape the girl or maybe he's like, no, I want him to confess he, to it at the did. bar. I want all this stuff. And then when he gets murdered, I want it to be horrific. And I want people to cheer about it because at the end of the day, I yeah. want this film to be entertaining. Cause he's like, I'm dealing with some heavy stuff. I still want this to be an entertaining film. This was not the initial idea though, that he had for what he wanted his kill to be. He said that he basically wanted mama to grab him by the throat and squeeze his head so hard that it erupted like a toothpaste oh, thing. Like he just wanted blood and viscera to just explode from the, his head. Tasha's, oh Tasha's favorite thing to ever see. <laughs> but it, it, the head ripping apart was bad enough. It, it wasn't in the budget. <laughs> so... <laughs> So they found that they had like a mold of Justin Long's head and they're like, ah, fuck it. We just rip his head in half. Of course they did. Which I liked. Oh, so he's actually kind of let down. He's like, yeah, it's serviceable. But like, I wish there was wow. more blood spray. Like he wanted it to just be so ridiculous that people cheered when AJ gets murdered. Yeah, I get that. Okay, that makes sense, but I still don't like the scene. I would have rather him like have his throat ripped out or something, and then he's bleeding out of his throat. Like that would have made a little more logical sense. But can, yeah, can, logic is out the window. Can, exactly. Well, considering yeah. we see uh, Mama rip that dude's arm off and beat him to death, what I wanted yeah. was the Hulk and Loki scene from the Avengers, where Hulk just grabs him by the grabs Loki by the legs the leg. and just starts smashing him into the ground. Him. That yeah. would have been amazing. That would have been great. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, that's a great scene. Yes. So, oh man. So uh, as he's rationalizing away everything. No, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to hurt your baby. She was. She was already dead when I saw her. <laughs> so, uh, and this is where it's like really hard to say that. Mama's a monster because she's just trying to protect her baby, and yeah. because she sees Tess as a baby and she's trying to help her. And Tess says again that she can't go back. Like I can't go back there. Yep. And Mama kisses her fingers and puts them on <clears throat> the on Tess's forehead and says, uh, "Baby." And Tess shoots Mama, and we get credits as Tess walks away from Barbary Street. Yeah, I almost cried in that scene with Mama because it is really heartfelt. Like, she's worried about her. She's, like, frantic about the bullet wound in her belly, like, worried about her. And then she does the finger-kissing thing. And, yes, I know she's a grotesque woman with her titties hanging out. And she ripped a guy's arm off and, he, and she squished a guy's head. And she's done a lot of horrific things. But, like, this is what she's been taught to do. And she just wants somebody to love and to love her. And that is the most tragic thing. Like, she is literally the most tragic, sad character in most horror movies i've probably ever seen just because of that like you can understand her life because of that i don't it's just very hard and the biggest villains in this movie were definitely aj and frank like oh, yes. oh yeah. absolutely they're they're two sides of the same coin like when aj sees mm -hmm. frank and stuff he's kind of confronted with himself yeah so like he's yelling at him calling him gross and it's like dude you did maybe didn't go to that degree of like torture and all that stuff and murder, but like you are participating in that behavior. Yeah. Uh, the, I think the most empathetic character and like the saddest character is AJ's character because all these people, like they're just, they, you know, there's two sides to every story <laughs> and you know, excuse me, what? And you slipped, <laughs> I... you slipped. <laughs> I'm, you know, you were slipping. <laughs> I just helped you. I was helping you no, fall off. This is, th water. this is, I, I would love, 
this sounds super creepy so whatever i would love Great. to be Great a fly on, on the wall for like just a bunch of girls watching this film together like they're just like having drinks and just like cheering aj getting fucking wrecked like i i just <laughs> yeah. there's something in my head that I'm just like oh okay yeah yeah but when I first watched the movie, I did wonder at the beginning if he was innocent and like maybe it was being blown out of proportion because that is like the normal because he was so angry about it. But then at the same time, you're like, well, maybe he's so angry because he did do it. You don't know. And then until you get the bar scene and he confirms it, you don't realize that he really is the monster. Yeah. Like and he is the bad guy. And like it's just he's. And then, the, like I said, the whole and the other tragic character is freaking Bill Skarsgård's character. Like he is this genuine nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sad that like we don't get to see uh, Keith and Tess's story mm-hmm. because I think those kids had what it took. They had <laughs> they could have went they could have went the distance. <laughs> but uh, all right, so that's uh, that's the movie. Let's. Uh, Move on to our final thoughts and reviews okay. on Barbarian. Uh, don't forget, this is a movie club. So after our reviews and stuff like that, we will be telling you what we will be uh, watching uh, for next week's episode. Also, go to our Facebook or Instagram page and tell us what you think of the movies we're reviewing also. Yeah, yes, give us some, give us some recommendations. You can... Uh, we've, you can find us on Instagram at pod of the dead uh, underscores between each word. You can find us on Facebook at uh, pod of the dead or else you can email us at pod of the dead six, six, six at Gmail. Uh, there's a link tree. We've got fucking the, the, the TikTok, the TikTok and everything else. And we're, we're, tr- oh. we're trying to trying to get some stuff out there and everything. Uh, but yeah, send us a line. You know, tell us how much you hate our opinions. I'd love to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Nick. But uh, let's see here. Uh, I'll go first this time because I haven't I haven't really hidden the fact that like I love I I I would say I love this movie. Um, Does it hit the same the second time? No. Does it hit the same the third time? No. It's I would compare it to something like The Sixth Sense. the sixth sense is one note though except for the twist you know it is just tension the whole way through and everything and they gives it to you i this is a little more up my alley because of the absurd the absurdity of it and stuff um i've seen this movie probably three times since it come out um i like zach Kreger. i like the whitest kids you know i like what he did uh from a writing and directorial standpoint of it just being so so confusing as you're watching it but it it ties itself up like you're like what the fuck is going on it it's been a long long time long time since i've seen a film that has done this to me and did not leave me confused at the end it literally tied it up whether you like the way it ends or not it except for like maybe like the lion tamers thing it doesn't really leave too much for you to not understand and like how the bodies are disposed beyond that. It's basically thrown out there. And I think it's just expertly put together. Uh, 
I initially going into this film gave it a higher score watching it. It slipped a little bit because the tension is removed and everything. But because of that, I, uh, I do give Barbarian an eight out of 10. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's beautifully shot, beautifully written. Can't wait to see more of what he has to offer. Hopefully he gets to write direct his next film. Yeah. All right, Tasha, your turn. All right. Um, it, like Nick said, it doesn't hit the same the second time around, but I want to base this off of my, I think I'm still going to base it off of my first viewing of it. Um, the first, because, mainly because my favorite part are the first 45 pages and none of that is the same the second time around. So I really like the suspense that it builds. I appreciate the twist of, you know, the dark corridor and Bill Sarsgaard character getting killed off. I, I don't like that you see the, I, and that's just not my thing in horror movies anyway, is the humanoid monster. I, that doesn't do it for me. I, it, it doesn't scare me. The psychological component of the basement and all of that does it for me a lot more. And then it does start to get just weird and it goes over the top. Um, and that's just that I get lost really quickly. It loses me in the, the arm beating scene. <laughs> Um, I love just as, as terrible as Justin Long's character is, the fact that he's so self-absorbed, I find that humorous just because it's so absurd. So I can still see Justin Long, the comedian, in the role that he's playing. Um, so overall, I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give it a five and a half because the barbarian aspect of it, I don't care for, and that's a big part of the movie. I like all of the like lesser components of it. So five point five. It's actually a little higher than I thought you were gonna give it. I was gonna think she was gonna give it between a five and a six, so I was oh, I was I pretty spot on. Hot. Yep, that's why I figured. <laughs> yep. Okay, so I guess it's my turn. Um, this movie, I was hoping it was going to hit just as well the second time I watched it. It is kind of the one hit wonder in that just because it builds so much suspense and questions as you're watching it. And that abrupt scene, like Nick is saying in the middle, uh, about 40 minutes in, you're like, oh shit, this is a totally different movie. And I was there. We did literally turn it off and literally turn it back on to make sure this was the same movie because <laughs> it didn't make any sense. And I love that component because it takes this high tension piece and then drops you right into a guy singing on, you know, by the beach. It's just crazy. But um, the movie itself, like I said, if you watch it the first time, you really do enjoy it, I think. But the second time, just it definitely lowered my love of it only because it's not watchable, rewatchable, in my opinion. I feel like you just don't get to have the same experience. And then if it was like a movie like Trick or Treat or some of the other movies we watch, even like Scream, where you know what's going to happen and you're not going to have that tension but you're still going to be finding the Easter eggs and you're going to still be finding these little bits and pieces of the storyline that you're going to appreciate more or see that you didn't see before. That didn't happen for me this time. It was very, other than like we, we paused the movie just for this podcast in order to see like the names on the VHS tapes and stuff. But apart from that, um, I really like the movie. I do think it's great for people to see. I just, and it's it's definitely unique in its own way and it's not predictable at all and i agree with tasha the ending with that with the head and the, the arm beating and all of that it's i'm not a person that says stuff's too gratuitous but that was just kind of like really and i like the mama character i just didn't like that aspect of her um 
I would say that if I'm going to rate this, what am I going to rate it? Um, I would give this probably a seven. So what does that give us for our total? Gives us a 68. 60, hey. So it's, pa it's, it's passing. passing. It's a pass. That's <laughs> higher than I expected it to get. It's a pass. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I honestly think that like uh, a passing grade, like is, I, I always want to say that like our collective numbers when given, if it's above an F, so what is that? A s no, realistically. <laughs> six. I agree. So, I agree. Was that 66 or 67? I have no idea. It doesn't matter. None of this matters. <clears throat> um, but if it has a, it's, it's pass fail. I think, you know, if you're just looking for something different, this is different. Give it a shot. Not saying you're going to like it, but you know, you, you don't know until you try. Yeah. The acting's really good in this movie. Like hands down, the acting's amazing. I, I will, I will probably never watch this movie again on my own. I am going to suggest this movie though, for people who haven't watched it and watch True. it with them to talk about it afterwards. Correct. Yeah. It's definitely a movie to suggest to people, yeah. but definitely not to rewatch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and to make sure you tell them to go in blind, because I remember you did that, Nick, you said, don't look up anything. Don't watch anything. Just start it and go, yep. True. which I appreciate that you did that. Yeah. And that's, that's how I yeah. kind of go by most of my movies. If I see a, if I see a trailer, it's on accident. I don't look out trailers. I I'll hear a title of something and read a synopsis of like, what's a, like what the film's supposed to be about, because those are so vague. It's like, you know, like this one, it's like an Airbnb gets double booked. Granted, if I just read that, I probably wouldn't have watched it because I've just been like, okay, whatever, same tropey stuff, which is what you are led to believe. And it's amazing that he subverts that. Yes. I like when they do that. I don't want stuff handed to me. And that's what I think is beautiful about this movie. Just the way it was marketed and the way it's been played out is because it doesn't allude to anything else. Most movies in the trailer or in anybody's conversation about it before you even go in, they tell you every freaking thing that you're going to yeah. see. Yeah. Drew and I have started as soon as a movie looks good, as we're watching the trailer, we stop yeah. the trailer and then go well, start watching. Well, the and movie. so many, mm. so many trailers will be shot specifically to be a trailer with scenes that aren't even in the movie. Mm. and stuff like that to i i just yeah. the, i don't fucking like trailers it just bothers me the only time they don't bother me is like when you when you, you would call it the popcorn movie yeah. right yeah. so like it you already know basis like if you are watching an avengers film or something you know any of the marvel universe you kind of know what you're gonna get and watching that isn't going to change anything because you have already you're already invested in just seeing it as a popcorn movie and and experience its ebbs and flows but like apart from that you're you're not looking for anything but stuff that has suspense or horror or things like that that have really deep builds like romance doesn't count either most of the time mostly, only because you already know what it's going to happen mostly like mysteries thrillers horror films like you don't want to see a trailer for it because a lot of a lot yeah. of the selling point for those movies is the mystery the shock and awe and if yep. those are going to be the things that you show in your trailer, uh, what are we fucking watching this for? So uh, yeah. all that being said, uh, next week will be uh, it'll be Halloween for our Ooh. next episode, which will drop on, I believe, the 30th. So for that episode, we will be doing a double feature. And for this double feature, we will be watching Sam Raimi's Evil Dead 2 and we will be watching Freakin's uh fucking classic the exorcist so oh. uh 
I'm nervous about that one. That's All right. that's gonna be really good. So uh, yeah, yeah. freaking just passed away not too long ago. So um, what the hell? My phone's going off and it's going through my headphones. Uh, yeah, freaking just passed away. He's uh, an amazing director and all that stuff. It's been a long time since I've seen The Exorcist. I've seen it. A f- I've seen it a few times. Um, Evil Dead Two. I have watched plenty and uh, actually still have my original VHS copy of it that I bought at the li- <laughs> at our uh, local library when we were children, Tasha. No. I watched this in <laughs> when we were children. I watched this in your bedroom on your VHS combo. <laughs> nice. My TV VCR got for Christmas. Yep. So was it like 13 inches? Oh hell yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, you know it, baby. It was 13 inches. <laughs> So, <laughs> oh my god! On that note, <laughs> for Pot of the yeah. Dead, I am Nicholas. I'm Stephanie, and I'm Natasha. Come back and listen to us, or else. <laughs>